Welcome to Marketing Unfiltered, where I ditch the highlight reel and share the unfiltered truth about how to get clients online. The good, the bad, and the OMG, thank God I'm not the only one. I'm Sophia Para. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Marketing Unfiltered. Today, I have such an awesome guest. We have Emily Reagan on the show today, and she is talking about hiring, hiring better, hiring, making your first hire, all things hiring. So if you are on the other end of this feeling like, oh, you you feel bad at hiring. Like maybe you tend to hire the wrong the wrong team or you don't know how to delegate well or you don't know what to delegate to them. Anything like that, we're going to talk about that. If you also feel like you want to hire but you don't feel like you have the money or the budget to hire, we're also going to talk about that. I also have to say we went so deep into her spill the tea. I mean, she just had her second 100K launch and we talked about the major shift she made to actually see those kinds of results because she essentially went from like $24,000 launches to 100K launches. So we really talked about what that shift was because she was she noticed exactly the thing that she did to see those kinds of results. So I loved that part of our conversation. I also just loved learning about her background. She's a military kid and she's also a military spouse. So she started her business as a result of that kind of life and and wanting to have something that she could kind of take with her from location to location. So um, I just love learning more about her. And I can't... Uh, let me tell you, we are so similar. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> like, Not that I... My, I didn't grow up in the military, but my dad was with the Air Force before I was born. And we lived a similar life to... Uh, to the military kids that I was friends with, where we were just moving all the time. And so I, a lot of them are my friends. And and so I just know that life so well. And it's interesting. We have a lot of very similar habits that we were talking about. So I wonder if that has anything to do with our very similar upbringing. But it was, it was just so fun getting to know her. I also loved hearing about how she grows her email list, how she would get a client if she wanted a new client in the next few days. Um, like I said, her her six-figure launch and the shifts that she made to, to hit that, how we know when it's time to hire. Oh my gosh, her question around this was so great. We also had a conversation around uh, people who are getting ready to make their first hire and want to make sure that hire makes them money as quickly as possible. I loved the conversation we had around that. The difference between VAs, OBMs, DOOs, CMOs, all the things. Um Emily trains, you know, a marketing assistant. So she's so well versed in this and has also like worked in that sector herself. So she really knows her stuff. In other words, anything hiring um, is going to be answered today. And if you have any other questions, which honestly, I, I would be surprised if you did because we went so deep. <laughs> but if you have any other questions, make sure that you DM her because she is probably the sweetest person that I've had the pleasure of having on this podcast. I just had way too much fun with her. You're never going to believe this, but this was the first time we'd ever actually spoken. So like, that's just how great she is. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. I can't wait to hear your biggest takeaways. And Emily, if you're listening, welcome to Marketing Unfiltered. But I heard yeah. this saying that I just love, um, and I, I wish I could take credit for it, and I cannot remember who said it, but I am the Amazon mom. <laughs> I just am. I will send the school the supplies they need. They needed like green Christmas cups for their party, and I'm like, boom, done. 
you know, (laughs) it's worth it. It's like time or money. Right. And I am going to go to their Christmas party and thank God I have a flexible job. Like, thank God we do this. I don't know how moms who are in a cubicle do it because just the orthodontist appointments alone right now are killing me. (laughs) (laughs) How old are your kids? Are they like, I guess they're of that age where it's like braces and things like that. My oldest is 14 and my youngest is six and in first grade. So they're pretty, they're spread out, yeah. you know, but they're also not in the baby stage and it's like a whole new world. But I am so thankful I started my business when I did because my background is I was behind the scenes for years. And then I started being more front facing just recently, like the last four years. But I found out I was pregnant with kid number four. It was a little bit of a surprise, like planned, but a surprise. I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know, she was in that gray area. And I just remember thinking like, oh God, I'm going to have to shut down my business. Yeah. And thank God I didn't because even though I go at my own pace, like I'm in a very powerful position now that she's in first grade. Right. Mm. So I just had to be patient with myself. And I mean, it ties nicely. It ties nicely into what we'll talk about today about hiring as well. I think like no successful business does it alone. And I don't think any successful mom does it alone. Yeah, I agree with you in that. I'm just making assumptions here because I know I'm not a mom, but like that's what I, that's what I witnessed. You know what I mean? Like it really does take a village. And I think that's one of the reasons why we are struggling with also where to even live. Uh, because Bradley's from England. <laughs> oh, did you have actually, I, what, tell me a bit about your story because I feel like you moved around a lot or I, I read something about how you started your business. Are you the wife of, of someone in the army or something like that? Did, am yeah, I getting this wrong? Yeah, my husband did 20 years in the Air Force. So like you, I think you're from Washington, D.C., right? I am. Like my dad family? was in the Air Force. Yeah. yeah. I've lived there a lot. Most recently, we were at, at the Pentagon, but now we're here in Richmond. We just had to get out. We had to get out. Yeah, like you, I've moved around a lot. And I've moved in even 20 years as a military spouse, we've moved 12 times. So like deciding yeah. where to live, like I can relate. And then yeah. you do want to be near family. Are you near family now? So now in London, Bradley's father and mother live like four hours away. And then his sister lives about like an hour and 25 minutes away. So they're not like next door, but it's like they're all, they're accessible. And my family, we've never lived in a place where they were accessible. Like they're always really far away. And, and I should also say like my dad, my dad had an interesting career. He started out in the Air Force, but he did eventually leave it and move into finance. And so we moved around, he moved around within the Air Force, like with his previous wife and my sister. And then when he married my mom, he was already in finance. And so we were moving all the all around for that job. Uh, he was okay. like a financial consultant. But all that to say, all like so many of my friends are in the military. Like I'm so familiar with the life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also, and we lived a very similar life, even though it, it wasn't the same. It was like we were always getting transferred and moved around. We had no idea where we were going to live like year to year. It was a weird life, to be honest. <laughs> but also like... I love it in a lot of ways. Like I'm so grateful for the travel, the experiences, the, I'm so adaptable. Like, you know, Bradley, I love him, but he's not the most adaptable person, (laughs) (laughs) but I like, I kill it in that game. (laughs) Yeah. And then you make the best of wherever you live because it's such a finite time. And so it feels like you're traveling all the time when you're just living in new places every two years. And my kids are so resilient, but at the same time, I struggle with what do I choose for myself? Like when my husband was retiring, he decided not to do the promotion. We decided to keep our kids stable 
And we would have been fine moving, but then we were like, where do we live? (laughs) Yeah. No freaking clue. No This is where we're struggling. We have no idea. We spend so much time in New York City and we have roots there in terms of like friends and things like that. But I also think there's an energy in New York that is just... We didn't realize how rare it is and it's like electric and everyone's building something and you feed off of that. And then in a lot of our other options, they're not, they're not quite, you know, even in England, like they're very work, like work life balance oriented, which is fantastic. I need some of that in my life. And also (laughs) I'm in, I'm in like a building mode. Do you know what I mean? Like I kind of want to have like these exciting conversations with people that are building things. And like in New York, my waiter was that like everyone was doing that, but here it's kind of harder to find. So we're also very aware that like people have different interests in all these options that we have, and we're not sure where we need to plug ourselves in. You know what I mean? Because like we could adapt to any of them, but it's like, what do we really want our next 10 years to look like? Like we're just so clueless. I know it's a big identity identity crisis, but it also showcases why you can have different circles. And that's why your business circles and your business relationships like... I just gel so much because that's where my brain is right now. Like I can't yeah. stop thinking about it. And then sometimes Same. I go hang out with moms and no offense, but when they've just been like taking care of kids, like I know what that brain fog is like. I'm kind of bored. I don't want to talk about <laughs> nap schedules and, you know, poopy diapers and, you know, traffic. So it's, just, yeah. it's, it's hard, but it's nice to have this circle in this online space and like conversations like this, yeah. you know, you're not alone. Yeah. We're going to spill the tea in in a minute, but I would love to know a little bit more about what you kind of just referenced something where you used to kind of be more behind the scenes and now you're a little bit more forward facing. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like what was that shift in business like? And also what made you make that shift? Oh my gosh, this is a fun story. So because I've been a military child and a military spouse, I have the craziest flakiest, most chaotic resume. And so it was always hard to find new jobs. And as you know, when you're new to a location, it's all about network. Nobody knows who you are. You're starting over. You have to prove yourself, prove yourself. You finally do. You get the dream job, time to move. And so I had never had a job longer than 18 months because of this cycle. And so this online space just kind of opened up. Why I call myself a unicorn is I had a rare skill set. My background was PR and journalism. I was always lucky to get any kind of related job. My last full-time job, I was a communications director. And people just kept coming to me. Can you help with PR? Can you help write a press release? Can you help do this? And I just like bleeding heart would say yes and severely undercharged. And it just opened up this door. So when we got orders to move back to Washington, D.C., because we can't get away, I realized like I can't start over. I can't start over in D.C. Maybe this is self-defeatist in PR as a nobody. And I had a baby and I was like, I just don't want to. And so I started freelancing. I fell in bed with a really big client early on because of this magical skill set, because at the time, even the term virtual assistant was rare. Mm -hmm. And I worked for six years with Jennifer Allwood. I owe her so much. I learned so much growing her business. I helped her make a million dollars in her membership and her launches through her email list to 80,000. But I was taking on all these clients because they were just like attracted to this. Oh, wait, you know what we're doing? And I mean, nowadays it's different. Like it's just it's more prolific, right? This online space, like VAs are a dime a dozen, but at the time it was extremely rare. And so I kind of had my aha moment just to be real with one of Jennifer's launches. I stayed up really late. We made a lot of money. My husband was deployed or not there. Like he's never there. 
And I was uh, the biggest grouch the next morning to my kids. And I was like, I can't do this for somebody else anymore. And I saw what she was doing and I knew I had the skills, but I really questioned whether I had the ability to to build an audience, yeah, <laughs> or like the charisma or like I always shied away from video, even though my major was broadcast media. I wanted to be the news director, like the boss. I wow. never wanted to be in front of the camera. So I kind of had to come to terms with being visible, you know, owning my message, feeling like I had a voice, putting myself out there. I mean, my first Facebook Live, Sophia, I put a clay face mask on. <laughs> How to drink a water and I announced my business, like the forward facing part. So I was drowning in client work. I had so many clients. I had an agency. I was already putting trainings together. And I thought, why don't I just teach other women? Because I'm, I'm maxed out. Yeah. And then that launched my course, which is the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School, teaching women the same, you know, marketing services I do. And then I had that membership. And it all just started from people asking me and me just like taking a leap of faith behind a clay mask. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love, I love that. That's how you made that announcement. I also find it so crazy. That is so in line with me, right? Like I had an agency, so I was doing all of this work for other people. And Mm -hmm. I had, when I moved here, it became insanely clear that I couldn't continue because of the time zone, but I was already staying up until one, two in the morning for everyone else's stuff. And I don't know how your pay was structured, but I, w- I didn't like make any extra money because of successful launches. It was just, I nope. had my flat fee. You know what I mean? Nope. So I was sometimes like looking at these like incredible results and I was like, and I'm just going to stay up for like nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then be an asshole. Sorry. I don't know. Yeah. If I can cut oh, to please my children, do. You yeah. Know? Like, that's not my best self. That's not the work-life balance. And like, I need to build wealth for myself. Another yes. part of that story is my husband was trying struggling with mental health. And I really questioned, would we get retirement? Would we, could I count on this income? And so I kind of went balls to the wall with that in that moment between these two big things happening at once. And I'm like, I have to go all in on myself. And so four years later, I've had six figure launches of my program. I mean, it didn't happen overnight. I started from zero. I mean, I hated my Instagram because I was at zero and I regretted not building that part of my business this whole time because I knew yeah. what to do and I just did it for other people. Yeah, I, I could so relate to this. Our big health event was Bradley's stroke. And before his stroke, I was already you know making more money at that time. So I was kind of used to having that role. But when he couldn't work at all, it was like... Mm. It was just such a, a mind fuck for me because not only did I have to continue at the speed I was going, but I was terrified of what was going on with him. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't think straight. He, he was repeating yeah. himself. He had no shirt to memory. They wanted to oh operate God. on his heart. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, well, I'm like, I can't even that. Like, I don't even know how what I'm doing right now. And I have to show up to work so that I can pay our bills. Like I was terrified. So I've only been the forward facing person for maybe like a year and a half. I actually, it's been still pretty fresh for me, but I had it, no idea it was that short. Yeah. Yeah. And I think oh. because I kind of like shut things down slowly while I was doing, like I didn't do like a, and that's over and this begins. It was more like, okay, I'll let go of two clients and then I'll do this. And then I'll let go of two more clients. I kind of like phased out. So not everyone realizes that, but like, actually I have had officially zero clients only for a few months, but I, <laughs> but it's been you. kind of a process for like a year and a half, I'd say. So yeah, 
It, but it's that was scary. really a tough spot, though, juggling this part of my business. The client work paid for it. Yeah. Right. But like, exactly. it was really hard for a few years because I'm doing both things. I have one retainer client right now, and it's so minimal, and I know her stuff so well. I'm, I'm just helping her with her Pinterest. She had somebody like I handed it off and it came back to me and you know, I can't say no. I have, problems, I know that. Me I love too. it. You're so alike. <laughs> you know, it keeps me active. It keeps me a practitioner. Yeah. I have one other retainer client that like, I don't think it's going well, just to be honest. Uh, it's not starting the way I thought. So I think that relationship is going to be done, but then I just do projects like passion yeah. projects when I want to. So it was really scary because for me, I've not had those big ticket clients for a year now. Yes. And I mean, but that's when I had my big launch, when I let that go, right? And I went more focused. And like, God was like, come on, Emily, like this yeah. way, you're meant to go this way. Okay. I have so many questions about this. Let's move <laughs> into spill the tea because okay. I feel like there's so many questions I have. And I also, I did see that you were celebrating a 6K launch. So I actually have a question for you around that okay. as well, inside of spill the tea. All right. So we ask these questions to every one of our guests. They're basically just our opportunity to kind of lift the curtain and share some behind the scenes for people. And completely unfiltered. I heard you earlier say, I don't know if I can swear. You can swear all day fucking long. <laughs> fucking <God>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you could go back in time and give newbie Emily business owner some kind of a warning, like don't do this thing or, or start doing this thing earlier, what would that be? Okay. Well, the common one I already dropped was like, start, you know, marketing yeah. my business earlier. But the, the real big doozy I think would be me understanding the value of my marketing services. For years, I just charged $20 an hour. I didn't know any better. And I didn't realize the true value of bringing in leads and making sales and how that's separate from other kinds of tasks and work. And so. I would go tell Emily back when she first started to just charge more and own it and don't question it. Like this is not hourly work. Yes. 175 million percent. I have to say this is something I'm quite open about. I still have issues with the charging thing. Like even though I know better, I will constantly throw out a rate and then whoever might be coaching me at that time being like, are you kidding? You need to charge like three times that amount. Like what are you talking about? And I'm like, why can I not grasp this? <laughs> That's no, you're not alone. Thing. I do it too. I try to give myself pause yeah. and not say yes right away and at least sit on it for 24 hours. And I actually just did this trick with a speaking gig. I just booked a paid speaking gig, which is like new levels for me, like the girl who didn't want to be on video. And it's not it's a lot of money, but I had this number and I was like, fuck it. And I went more. And they said, yes. And I'm like, man, what happens if I would ask for more? And we know yeah. women statistically don't ask for more. So I think if you just give yourself 24 hours to sit on it, because I think, you know, we're so eager about it, but I, I still struggle, girl. <laughs> yeah, it's a tricky one. And I know a lot of people in this audience struggle with that as well. So great advice. I couldn't agree more. Okay. What is your favorite way to grow your email list? Ooh, so I do all the things. But my favorite way is ads. It's ads hands down because it's just, it's quick. It really sets me up if I'm doing list building ads for a successful webinar. Yeah. And my webinars do well to cold traffic. So I just have a list building ad going all the time. I have a weird one. Like carousel is working really well for me. Apparently they don't work well for a lot of people, but I just have the same ad that's been going forever. And I mean, I... I'm a marketing girl. <laughs> like I do all of the things. And I think because it is simple once you dial it in, but it's also scary because of that budget, right? 
Yeah, totally. And it's funny, like I've actually never run ads before. I've always been very organic, not because I don't believe in ads. I actually want to run ads so badly, but for some reason, Facebook has like made it so that I can't run ads. Like they keep saying I need to confirm my identity or something insane. And I don't know what the heck that's about or why that's happening. But all that to say, it's ads is not something that I've tested. But I love that you're saying that actually, because I love collaborating. I talk about it all the time. I love all the list build efforts that I think bring such high quality growth. So like, and I preach about them all the time, but I love the idea of literally being able to have COVID and like, know you're growing your list. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's so freaking powerful. So yeah, I I love that you do that. Did it take you a while? I mean, I know you're a marketing person, but did did it take you a while to kind of find your flow and what worked for you or... Or how was that journey like for you? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I'll go on podcasts and I have such like a dual audience that it doesn't always yes. grow my list that much. Like today I'm teaching about hiring a VA, but that doesn't necessarily bring gobs of new marketing assistance to my world. And so uh, I was just on a summit this last week too. And I, I saw some traction with that, but I just never see the numbers from visibility, but I still know it's important Uh, My blog does really well. I play a mad SEO game. My whole point of this was I have been working with too many clients and helping them with their launches and not seeing the list growth between launches that I just like put my money where my mouth is. And I'm like, this is how I know I can do it because maybe I'm a scaredy cat, but I don't want to go into a launch without any like bigger numbers. Like a hundred percent. I say this all the time. I agree with you. It's like you have to have growth seasons before your sale seasons or else you're just selling the same fucking people. It's like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. That's why everyone's second launch is like plateauing or dipping. That growth isn't there. And sometimes we need to pay for it. It sucks, but sometimes we do. Yeah. I love that. That's a great one. Did I answer your question? I feel like I went on a tangent. No, you 100% did. And you answered it in a way people don't typically answer it. So I like love that you gave that answer. No, it was great. If you were challenged to have... And I ask this to people because I hear people all the time say things like, oh, like I just... I'm doing everything to get a client, but nothing's working. Or if I wanted a client today, I couldn't get one. And I hear that a lot. So I'm just curious if you have an answer to this. If you were challenged to have one new client in the next five days... What would you do to find and convert that client? Oh my God, it would be so easy. You know why? I just go back to my past clients because they're all dying for me to work with them again. And I've kind of had to shut down a lot of my containers. So I'll just go back and say, I have an opening, I have a project, and I know it will be so easy. And that's kind of what I teach to my unicorns. If you just concentrate on one client, do exceptional work, surprise and delight, you know, they'll love you for life. And the marketing door is just open to so many other projects because, I mean, that's how I've grown my business, Sophia. It's just like being like a good person, doing what I'll say. So I would tap into all the former relationships. Current, former, that didn't sound right. (laughs) (laughs) I still like them. (laughs) You still talk. (laughs) Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And this is actually why I asked everyone this thing, because I think like we all use our relationships in different ways, but it's so much of that immediacy. Like if we want some kind of a result quickly, it will always stem back to your relationship. Like always, every single time. And me too. I would go back to my past clients and whether or not I want to work with them again, or they have a referral for me, I usually find something in there because they trust me. 
and we have a, a close enough relationship where I can actually ask for something and it's not going to feel weird because we've, we've built that, we've cultivated that, you know? So yeah, that yeah. ask is really powerful. And that's how I've grown this whole, I have this membership where I share jobs through hireunicorn.com. And that all came from me being booked out, people wanting me to hire me and me going, crap, let me give you some other good people or mini Emily's or this army of unicorns. But absolutely, if you just like take care of them and just talk to them and listen to with what they need. Listen. Like right now I'm turning that. down people. I'm turning down people because like you, we're kind mm -hmm. of like closing down the client work. But I, I think it's so comforting to know that there's so much abundance out there and I could just open the doors if anything did happen, like a stroke, yep. you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. Okay. And then, so like I said, I wanted to add a question. You just had okay. a 100K launch. Was this your first 100K launch or have you had multiple? This was my second. Congratulations. My second. So I did it last year and this year. Yeah. That's amazing. If you could like trace it back to like a key shift, is there something that you did differently that you feel is what kind of get, brought you to that level of, of launching at that level? Or is it just a question of time and experience? Oh my God. I love this question. It's like all the marketing speak right now. Honestly, it had everything to do with messaging. So I did have a little blip. I had a trademark issue. I saw someone stole my name and it wasn't something I could really legally protect. So yeah. I had to go back to the drawing board. So I went through some a little bit of hell in my business in 2021 because then I had a lawyer, the trademark lawyer actually scammed me. Like no. she actually ended up, she ended up scamming a lot of people in Amy's community oh and I just like let it go. I mean, I probably could take her to court, but I just like let it go. So anyway, this all turned for good and this is how it turned for good. And I always choose to see it turn for good. Mm -hmm. Right. So I did some deep work with my messaging to fix the trademark. By the way, my trademark just came through last week. I did it myself. Congrats. <laughs> so That's so bad. That. That. It just took a long time. Right. Um, yeah, I need to go celebrate that. I don't think I've even told my team. But anyway, okay, sorry, I digress. So it forced me to really think about what what name did I want? And yeah. it was all about messaging. So I have evolved finding my voice going from somebody who really didn't know how I was different, or if I could do what my clients had done. And it took three solid years of me playing. A lot of it is doing social, doing TikToks, practicing, learning, paying attention, gathering VOC. But I really pivoted my voice and I'm constantly collecting what I call like power statements and just like ways to really attract mm -hmm. that certain person. Because for me, it's not just a mom. It's not just a military spouse. It's not just a professional woman. It's like a psychographic thing. And I want the woman who takes action. And so I just had to start really dialing in my messaging. And when I did that, and then I owned the job title marketing assistant and like really stepped away from VA, like VA always killed me. And we all talk about that more. Freaking hated the title. Sounded yeah. so underling. Me, Emily in 2009, never would have been a VA. You know, I have degrees. <laughs> like I have like corporate experience. Like I would not have been attracted to that. So I've really struggled with that. Everyone says like pick one audience and I couldn't do that. And so when I really went all in with that, everything changed for me. And it's it's about being bolder, being clearer. And it's not just picking one audience, but it's like really speaking to their desires and that like elevated brand voice. 
Yeah, I love what you just said. It's not just about picking one audience, but like really understanding what they're going through. What are the desires? Like that I feel is so accurate. And I get really frustrated when people come to me and they're like, oh, I'm so stuck. I haven't launched my business because I can't decide if I'm focusing on this person or that person. And it's so clear to me. I'm like, but they're both struggling with something like exactly the same. Why aren't we just focusing on that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 That's so key. That's so key. I love you, that you noticed that. Yeah. You also just have to launch and figure it out. Like yes. the mission to just figure it out. My first launch ever, I made $1,200. I offered it so low, which seems to be a theme in my life. But I got I got some founding members results. I got those first testimonials. And like after that, I kind of plateaued at some launches at like 20, 24,000. Like I never really went above that. And mm -hmm. it was just kind of like, dipping around that. And so then to go up to six figures, it was huge. But like I said, it was dialing it in and not having to follow the cliche marketing advice that everyone else gives you. Yeah. Did you have an insane amount of growth to your email list or anything like that before you hit that six-figure launch? I No, I actually had the reverse where I scrubbed the hell out of it and I got rid <laughs> of all couch clickers, all of that yeah. like downtrodden voice, those people I was attracting. I mean, the virtual assistant world is kind of touchy. You have to be careful. And you do have to look at your competitors and figure out like, how am I different? And how can I say things different? And I caught one of my competitors, actually, my teammate did because I don't actually want to look. She's mm -hmm. like, wow, she's teaching people to give up three hours of Netflix, and they can do it. And I was like, my person doesn't need to give up Netflix. Like they're already <laughs> intrinsically motivated. You know what I mean? Like they already know they want more and That's they want so, well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like fun to tie it all in. I know I'm all over the place right now. <laughs> no, you're not actually. I think you're being clearer than you realize. Like, I think this is so important. I mean, you are the messaging piece is something I think people don't put enough importance on it, but actually it, it really can carry a brand. And I believe that in the last year and a half, and I feel this way because a lot of my people who have known me for years have messaged me being like, by the way, I'm totally seeing the up level. By the way, I can totally like, they're like, and they're like telling me that they're seeing this. And the only thing I have shifted, but it's been a conscious shift is the messaging. I feel like I'm way clearer. Like I'm way mm -hmm. more specific. I'm also not as afraid to speak my opinions. I used to kind of like, mm, I don't want to get like ruffle any feathers or I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I would kind of play it safe. And now I'm like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> Let her rip. <laughs> Me too. I'm actually trying to think about like our social media strategy in 2024. And I'm like, I think snarky Emily's just going to come out in full yes. force. Like I'm just like, it, it's got to be a balance because there's a good side to what we do. But like, I am just getting bored with Instagram. And I think I just want to lean more into it. And I'm still scared. I'm like, what happens if I really show everything? Yes. <laughs> like what's going on? But I have some good ideas. So we'll see. Oh, that's exciting. But I think that's a great thing for people to note that, that that was like the big shift for you. If shit was hitting the fan in your life and you only had like an hour or less to work on your business every day, think of like a health scare or like something where it's like, oh my God, I have this big thing in my life that I really have to be thinking about. So I really just have outside of client work, like an hour to put time into my business growth. What tasks would you consider the most important? Oh, and this ties into what we'll talk about today. Anything visibility, anything that requires my face. And this kind of did happen to me this fall where I kind of had the rug pulled out from under me and I was able to rely on my team. What I showed up with was my stories 
and my podcast and my YouTube, it just went into repurpose mode. They're so frustrated with me. And I'm like, sorry, (laughs) you're not getting anything. Just repurpose whatever I've already done. Just like keep going. So that's what I would do. I would focus on that. And the podcast is great because not only are you getting found and you're staying consistent, but you're building a network. Like, you know, you and I, this is our first time meeting, although we've been DMing, like, I almost didn't start a podcast. I was actually anti-podcast. And I was like, I'll never do one. And now I have one because I always eat my words. But like that has been really big in growing my network and me being known from like a lateral peer network too. Yeah. So I think I would just do that. I would just make sure I show up and record the thing and get it to my editor on time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that visibility. And I also noticed like what you mentioned, which again, we're, yeah, we're going to talk about this today, but like having that team to lean on, right? Like, I think that that's so important. And I feel sometimes that people think about hiring a little bit too late. And mm-hmm. I experienced that for sure. It was like, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. Cause I know that okay. that's, okay. that question is going to come up. Um, okay. last question and spill the tea when you're feeling nervous or anxious about something in your business, do you have anything specific that you do to get out of your funk? Oh my gosh. I am coming to this understanding that I have this like ongoing baseline of anxiety anyway. And so I'm kind of going into a season. I love what Gloria shared on your show about uh, the somatic practices. For me, it's a change of environment and having fun. I am not working down the street at Capital One because I wanted to have fun and flexibility. And if I can take a step away, a lot of times I'm very overwhelmed and a little bit panicky about the future. If I can take a step away and like turn my brain off and focus on something else that helps. So uh, for me, it's being active like sports or hikes or, you know, exploring my neighborhood, you know? So that's what I do is, you know, just change the environment. Yeah. Like get out of it. Get out of like yeah, the thing you're in. Yeah. A hundred percent. I like that too. I need to take that on board. Um, I feel like, cause I always feel better when I go on a dog walk or I go to the gym, not the Peloton bike next to my desk, but like go out of the house, go to the gym down the road, take a class. It's like insane. You got, get out of it and you're like, wait, what was I nervous about? <laughs> you like, yeah. can't remember. Yeah. I love that. And I love traveling for that too. I feel like traveling really lights me up and I don't get to do as much of it with children, but I always feel this like refreshed Emily Oh yes. whenever I'm in a new setting. I mean, I like my routine in my house and my, you know, black eyes pillow, but I like to travel and it just refreshes me. And I think it's about restarting the creativity because like I'm drowning. I mean, in my business, I'm drowning the to-do list, all of the things I want to do, trying to plan 2024. And it seems counterproductive, but like to pull yourself out of it just makes things clear, like what you actually need to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On that note, let's totally move into, to the main event of our conversation, (laughs) hiring, hiring better, knowing when to hire all the things. I want to start with why is hiring an absolute necessity? Let's just start there. What are the things that hiring makes it possible for us to do inside of our business? Oh my gosh, there's a few things. I actually heard James Wedmore say it really well, so I'm going to steal this from him, but he talked about this flower pot. And if you want your plant to grow bigger, you need a bigger pot. You have to repot it and give more you know, room for the, the roots to grow, for the stem, what do we call it? <laughs> the stem to get stronger. You know what I mean? Like We need that structure, that foundation. Clearly, I'm a botanist over here, but um, (laughs) you have to do it. And it's painful. It's really scary. I talk to a lot of my peers and business owners who are making their first hire. 
And it's very daunting. We're always scared about budgets and, you know, trusting the right person and having to start over and making mistakes with that. But hiring will help your business grow. And it really comes down to the Pareto principle, right? It's the 80-20 rule. You need to be focusing on the 20% that actually creates outcomes in your business and hire out the 80% that doesn't. 80% of the crap in your business is something someone else can do that doesn't truly move the needle, but yet it needs to get done, right? But someone else could do it. So that's really why we hire. And then like we talked about earlier, not one business that's successful does it all. Like I love to bring up Batty Winkle. Do you follow her on Instagram? She's like that 93-year-old grandmother. You know Batty is taking her naps every day. Like someone else is styling her, posting, doing the hashtags, booking her these speaking gigs. You know she's napping. And so it's so easy to just like see people and just assume they're doing it all and they're not. They have help and different kinds of help and not everyone needs the same help, right? So that's what we could talk more about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. First of all, I'm checking out Batty Winkle. But yeah, that's so true. And this reminder of looking at the 80-20 rule and hiring out the 80%, so you're focused on the 20%, that is so freaking key. I hear Kate Northrup talk about that all the time. She's actually been on this podcast. And, And she mentioned that then too. But that is such a good reminder because I'm definitely doing a lot of the 80 now that I'm thinking about it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not just focused on the 20 because it's hard to forget. I mean, sorry, it's hard to remember that. And when you're in it, you're just like trying to get shit done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which yeah. kind of leads me to my next question. Are there like signs that you see in people that it's time to hire? Maybe it's past time to hire. Like, do you, do you feel like that there are, cause what I tend to see is a lot of people and we can get to what, what someone who might be like, oh, but I don't have the money for it or this and that. We can get to what we would say to anyone who might be having those feelings. But aside from that, are there signs that you need to be hiring or do having an extra hire? Maybe you haven't hired enough, anything like that? Yeah, I think A, when you need growth, right? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to expand to another platform, another channel with your your lead generation. But so many times I have people come to me with the house on fire, like, Emily, I'm launching Thursday and I need a VA today. And I'm like, it is too late. The VA is not going to save your launch. And so yeah. it's like a, this burning house syndrome. So walking it back, like my best advice is to hire before you feel ready, like to start getting some of that in place. But if you're dropping balls, like if you are pay attention to like what's not getting done in your business that you keep saying you're going to do, like if you're showing up to your like group coaching calls and your masterminds and you're like talking about the same thing, like, okay, oh my God, let me call myself out. I've had my evergreen webinar funnel on my to-do list for like nine months. It's just not getting done. Like that's a sign. Oh my God. It's, it's like, I don't know what my problem is. And it's, and a part of this, cause I know I can do a lot of it, but if, if yeah. you hire someone like that puts the burning fire under you to actually do it and not be the bottleneck. But I feel like I get sick of people talking about doing things and not moving forward. And I'm like, that's because you don't have the capacity and you need human capital in your business. Your business needs human capital to grow. It needs money. It needs time. It needs human capital. Yeah. Oh my gosh. These are such good reminders. Dropping balls for sure. I would try to be quiet because I was like holding in. I was like, oh shit. Like that is so familiar. The amount of times I've come into my conversation with my business coach and she's like, what are we working on today? Well, I'm like, well, kind of the same thing because I haven't done anything that you told me to do. (laughs) 
this is why I love your podcast. You're so honest about it. I mean, we all have these tasks. We just have yeah. to decide, does this actually make money and how important is it? And if it's a high priority thing, like some stuff, like whatever. Like yeah. there's a lead, a lead magnet I keep meaning to kill. Like I can kill it later. Like it doesn't matter. But yeah, what would you say? What are some other symptoms that you see? I mean, I think you nailed it. But the thing that for me, I'm starting to wonder if I, because I have a team, but I think we're all quite busy. I think we're all really like doing a lot every day. So I'm feeling like in 2024, I might need to make room for someone else. You know what I mean? Because I think that I don't know that everyone even on my team, I think like this comes in stages. Like there is a time mm-hmm. in my business where not everyone's going to be in their zone of genius, my, myself included. And even now, not everyone can always be in their zone of genius. However, there is a team member who is like, she's there for design. She's the most incredible designer. And she still has certain things on her list that are not on the design front. And they take her 10 times longer. Like I always have to edit them. Do you know what I mean? Because that's not, yeah. that's not her strong suit. Like it would be my dream if all she did was design work. Cause I know she would fucking kill it. And I'd probably not need to double check so many things. And then yeah. someone else who is like more or detail oriented around the emails was just doing that so that I don't have to double check. So I feel like if there is one thing for someone like me who tends to be, who can't help herself sometimes, but be a little bit of a micromanager because because I'm so used to things, balls dropping. My, and that's not always anyone else's fault but mine, but it's just happened. So it's like programmed in my head. I have to double check everything, you know? And I think that if I'm double checking a lot, it could be a sign that people are doing tasks that I don't fully trust them in. So mm, maybe yeah. they're not the right person for that task. And I need someone else to do that task, you know? So that's a sign that's coming up for me in the place that I'm at. Would you you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I was just thinking when I was on Jennifer's team, I was like taking on more and more. And then there started to be like blogging. Like we did such a good job with her blog. It started to be like my Friday thing. Like, oh, I got to get it done. And so to me, that was a big sign. And so that's what we did. We turned around and hired somebody to help and take that off my plate. Because I was moving on and we're naturally going to have tasks that we outgrow and we shed or doesn't make sense at this new rate, this new fee that I charge. And so we got rid of that. Funny story though, we hired somebody, just kind of why I started my course, that said she knew marketing. It's like the typical social media manager who's 20 and thinks she knows everything. And then she got in there and she didn't know anything. Like, oh God. And that, so I, of course, helped her and it started to feel a little weird. I was like, ooh, I just told her everything I've like learned in like eight years. And I was like, I should probably put this in a course. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm getting rid of the, the Friday, like what are you putting off to the last minute? And I like that sloppy work thing. Cause I'm, I see that in some of my teammates. I see them doing five o'clock work on a Friday and I'm like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So for the person who's feeling like, oh, I'm definitely one of those people, like I'm dropping balls left and right, but I don't feel like I'm making enough money in my business to hire out. Is there, I mean, that can be a tricky one to answer when when we're not speaking to the person right in front of us, not fully aware of their situation. But is there anything that you, that you tend to see when people say that? Yeah. So 
I think one of the misconceptions is that you have to go all in with a contractor for a large chunk of time. I mean, Mm -hmm. some of my best clients, we grew into the role. And so I would just do five hours a month. But you need to be intentional with what those hours are. If they are truly time-saving and freeing up your time, you need to take that time, especially in this growth startup stage where you're you're at, and put it into money-making, needle-moving you know, task, that 80-20 rule we talked about, put it back into the 20%. So I think this opens up a lot, but there's a lot of missed expectations when we're hiring. Like we hire someone to save us time and then we're pissed because we're not making money and we're blaming that hire. But we just need to be clear on that. Now you can hire for money making, like, I don't know, an ad specialist or a lead gen or like a social seller. Like you just need to be clear about that. But um, that's why I liked what Gloria said on your last podcast about the PR being what the $10,000 task. Yeah. Like you have to just like think about that. And what do you really need done in your business? And we have to have a budget. Like don't go in it without a budget. Like know your numbers, right? And like that human capital, it takes money. It yeah. takes time or money to run a business. And so I think it's so hard with the online space because we, there's such like a low startup cost that we don't think about like the ongoing support that actually needs to be covered. And so go out and make money. I just, one of my clients that I had signed, I loved her answer. I was like, you're my dream client. She, Cause I told her my rate, it was high. She's like, that's cool. I'll go out and just host another event. I was like, cool. <laughs> like you just believe in yourself. You'll go make money. Like you have to be making money in this space. So if that frees up your capacity to do that, then it's a win. Yeah. Ellen Yin was actually on my podcast recently. And this question actually came up. We did like a sort of Q&A where people sent in questions and we did kind of like this big Q&A where of all different business marketing topics. And the question came up, someone was really interested in hiring. However, they were very honest and transparent around the fact that their family needs the money coming in from their business. So the thought of hiring was very uh, nerve wracking for them because they didn't feel like they had the money to put towards the hiring. They felt like they had were spending every single dollar, you know, for their family for their needs at that at that time. So her question was, "How long can I realistically expect for to for you know the money I put into a hire to have an ROI, right? To actually increase my profit, like everyone says it's going to, and." You know, Ellen and I talked about this a little bit, but really what we came down to is this is all about thinking about, you know, who you're hiring, who you are hiring for and why you are hiring them, right? For example, if I know that I need to grow my email list to make more money, I know that before my next launch, I have to have more people on my email list or else I am just selling to the exact same people again and again and again. My income is going to start to plateau and eventually drop because that doesn't work. People eventually are either thinking yes or no to that program. You can't just keep selling them like the same thing, right? So if I am hiring to, you know, to bring someone in that's going to help me grow my list or to take tasks off my plate so that that thing that I cannot seem to make time for <laughs> to actually grow my list is actually happening, right? Like it like if I'm going in with that kind of a plan, I can actually you you can't guarantee anything in online business. However, Right. It's make, it's giving you the space in your business to actually make that money so that you can actually see that return. But you really have to think about it specifically. I assume that you would agree with that. I saw you nodding your head. Is that, was that kind of right? Yeah. Yeah. Because everything cannot be a priority, right? Yes. You can't, you can't focus on everything. And that's the hard thing about being a business owner is you 
have to make that decision that like, that's why you're the CEO. And it is about doing the right thing at the right time. And that might mean dropping balls like you and I talked about, like we're purposely having to drop some balls and can't get to everything. And so you have to make that right hire. What I see a lot of people doing is not quite hiring the right person. Like they just get so infatuated with this term VA thinking this is somebody who does it all. And I like to break it down into the six core departments of a business and like picking which lane do you actually need that support in. And if it is time saving, like you and I talked about, you have to go out and do the sales and marketing. So those six departments are customer service, HR, operations, accounting and finance, product development, which is usually you coming up with your own content ideas, and then marketing and sales. And so one of the big mistakes I see is someone hiring a virtual assistant who can like, quote, do it all. And is like servicing all the departments and not doing it well. And so that's why I have my lane in the marketing department. And even marketing and sales is different, as you talk about. Yeah. And so you can have some things that go hand in hand, like customer service, um, there's there's some fulfillment that comes with our products like that could combine with marketing, but you're not going to hire a bookkeeper in the accounting and finance department and have them do marketing. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, you have to kind of think about the lane. And so I think that choosing the right thing at the right time means you become the head of the other departments or oh my gosh. in those. I love differentiating those customer service, accounting, product development, marketing, and sales. What was the other one? I missed one. Operations and HR. There's six. So HR is usually, you know, small team. That's usually you at some point that could be your OPM. So we kind of throw that out. Accounting and finance. We're usually hiring a bookkeeper or, you know, a CPA, a CFO at some point. Product development is usually you as a CEO, like you're coming up with the content ideas. I mean, I'd all, I'd love to be at that like Amy Porterfield level where I have a content team, but like that's me, right? Yeah. That's ChatGPT and Emily, but <laughs> operations, customer service, marketing, sales, like they, you can't have someone doing all of them well. And what happens with this whole term VA is people say VA and that's such an umbrella term for nothing specific. Right. Yes. It's just an industry. It's not a job title. So you got to think about the job title. So ops and customer service could go hand in hand, but like stretching it across three departments is just going to be too much for one person and to do it well. So if you really do need those leads, like you were talking about in between launches, don't hire an inbox specialist. Yeah. <laughs> like don't hire someone who's going to help you with your one on one clients. Hire in the marketing department. Okay. I think that is so freaking key. So actually, no, like for this person, I wish I'm going to have to remember who this person was. So I can be like, listen to this episode because, <laughs> because uh, you know, I, for this person, it's like, like really know what you want, right? Really know what the result is you're going for. Is it because you, is it more sales? Is it more time? Is it a combination of both? And do you need to have two separate people? Like really know what you want out of the hiring experience and, and then I love like, you know, using this guide of these six different categories to kind of like show you that, that there's so many different options here. And I even myself think that I could be accidentally combining certain things that don't actually make sense. Kind of like what I told you about my, the person who's like really there for design and she's writing emails for me. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Well, sometimes we're in that messy point. I had to onboard someone last year in the middle of a launch. 
you know, somebody left my team and I needed someone to do community management and inbox. And I was like, this is temporary. Yeah. Ultimately in my dream business, I'm going to have a dedicated customer service person. So I was just real with her. I'm like, this is where I'm bleeding. I need help. This isn't your forever. She did it for about nine months. She was kind of subpar at it, but it got me through it. Yeah. (laughs) So then I turned around almost a year later and hired somebody who's phenomenal. And it's okay, but like when you start adding like more than two, three, four, five, you know, that becomes that Franken roll that just is not, you're not going to be happy with. And I mean, yeah. I hear a lot of people complaining about their VAs, and it's usually because of this. Oh, that's so freaking good. So what what can we be doing right now? Like we're at the start of a brand new year. I don't know when you're listening to this listener, but we're currently at the start of 2024. Um, what can we be doing right now to prepare ourselves to hire if we know that's something we really want to do in 2024? Oh, this is so good because it leads into the different departments. So first, do that time audit. Like really create awareness of where you're spending your time. This is painful. I hate doing it, but it will give you an idea of what's in your drudgery zone. What are you waiting till five o'clock? What's sucking up your time? Should you really be, you know, I don't know, I'm trying to think <laughs> like little meaningless tasks that I do. They're not meaningless. Like is my time best spent video editing a training I recorded? Mm-hmm. You know, like really thinking about what's sucking up your time. And then, um, you're creating awareness for who you need to hire and like where you're in your zone of genius as you talked about. So then from there, where most people drop the ball is not being solid in their SOPs. That's your standard operating procedure. And I was just talking to my friend Camille, who's in our group together. And she's like, I'm kind of frustrated because she's like, I don't think I quite have the foundation. I hired somebody without the foundation. And you have to be familiar with the workflow in order to hand it off. So if you can start documenting how you do things, when you do things, the tech stack you use, how long it takes you, where are those files located? What are the steps and actions and the outcomes that you talked about? Then you're really setting up someone for success to come into your business and take over. And this is kind of a painful thing, but it doesn't have to be perfect. But as Mm -hmm. long as you have some of those SOPs for the key key things that you're going to hand off and you'll set someone up for success. And so I have a couple of tech ideas for you. If, if this is you, you can use Tango or Scribe and you can basically record it. You could also do Loom like step-by-step step, and have it documented. So like every year when I do a launch, I have to change out my waitlist page, right? To my sales page. I always do that. And I'm like, damn, dang it. I'm like done doing this, right? I'm done doing it. And so now I have an SOP. So then every year we're not trying to you know reinvent the wheel and remember how we do that. What is that yeah. job redirect code? You know, where does it go? So you could just do tango and record it, which is awesome. And then um, another thing people leave off of their SOPs is when was it last updated? It sounds mm. so silly, but like this happened in my own business. I brought somebody new in and she was like, I'm going off the SOP. I'm like, it has not been updated in forever and she did it wrong. And it's just oh. because like we're dropping balls. And it was just something that was in my head that I just knew. And so if you can just have that date, like when it was updated, who last updated it, that new person can kind of come in and ask a few questions before they go down the wrong rabbit hole. Um, And it's, I mean, it's a learning process, but a lot of people are nervous that they have to be perfectly organized, you know, before they hire. But if you just have a couple of those, you can at least hand it over to a new person on your team and they could just start running with it. 
But you could also get that person who's already organized, has that knack and can help you organize it more. So don't let that hold you back either. Yeah, I love that. And that that's so true. We had a we had an SOP from my previous. She was actually a VA. She wasn't an OBM, but I ended up hiring an OBM because my VA who had been around so long uh, was had, having some health issues. So she had to leave. And so now I'm with my current OBM who I adore. And and she the first thing she asked for was an SOP. And I was so grateful that we had something to hand to her. It right. it was so phenomenal to be able to like you know, have this information for her. So I wasn't required to kind of sit on a three hour long call kind of explaining everything. She just could study it. But to your point, there was definitely things out of date. You know what I mean? So now yeah. she's, she's good about this stuff. So she's like redone it. So it's all up to date and everything, right. but that was such a thing. So I agree. Like that's such an easy thing to fall into, <laughs> but even a foundation so that you're not like always like, so you're not starting from scratch when you have someone to hire is still helpful. But it, yeah, the dates is a big thing. <laughs> yeah. And what happens is we wait till, you know, the business is on fire and try to bring someone in. And then we're like, oh my God, what what did I want? What do I want in this job yeah. description? And what you're really doing with the time audit is you're gaining clarity in which department you actually need help. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The SOP is giving you an idea of like what the responsibilities and outcomes could be. And then you, from there, you can write that job description and be a little bit more focused and do something that's not just virtual assistant. Have a title that's clear. And oh my gosh, I I know I like can keep chatting about this, but there's just, I talk to a lot of peers who are hiring and they're frustrated. And a lot of times it was just like unclear expectations, unclear roles and responsibilities, like lack of communication. And that job description will solve a lot of those problems. I have a question on this. Before I go to that, to that, I just curious, do you have a tool for time auditing yourself? I feel like that's, is there like something, a tracker? <laughs> I feel like I would oh suck gosh. at that. There's so many. I would say the number one is toggle. Okay. And, you know, I tell my students, you can use like, you know, you do that for your clients because you want to be able to tell them like the budget. Yes. Like this, this many hours was spent on a launch. This many hours is like normal baseline weekly marketing tasks. So you want to be able to give your clients that kind of high level of like time, but toggle works really well for yourself as well. And just, um, I would kind of block it down into your core task, but I always kind of like to pull out the projects versus like the ongoing marketing. Like how can you subdivide that? Like admin, like the inbox sucks up so much time. Yes. Just really kind of break it down to different marketing departments if you can. Um, but yeah, toggle is the best. Okay. Toggle. I've just written down and circled it. I definitely need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you do it for about a week if you can two weeks and be honest about your Instagram scroll time, mm-hmm. you know, be honest about when you go into like Facebook holes. And I mean, some of that's nurturing and relationship building. I'm not saying it's not important, but sometimes we're kind of time gets away from us and we don't realize, you know, how much we're actually distracting ourselves. <laughs> A hundred percent. I send my, I set a lot of alarms when I open up Instagram. I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do engagement right now, I'm going to set a 15 minute alarm time because what ends up happening is I, I'm like, I kind of lose myself and I, I like open up, start engaging and then something will catch my eye. And then I've been watching a real like reels for like 10 minutes without realizing. And then my phone rings and I'm like, ah, shit, I haven't been doing engagement. So it kind of like keeps me like accountable, but I would love to have a tracker. That's such a good idea. Yeah. All right. 
And then I get ideas and then I start answering DMs yep. and then I open up rabbit holes of like things that are broken and it just like, it just starts. <laughs> yeah, totally. So about this job description, actually, because something I did want to, I did want to hear you speak on a little bit was like the difference between like VAs, OBMs, CMOs. I mean, I feel like it is DMA and DOO something as well. I feel like there's so yeah. many, like, what are these oh things? <laughs> so many acronyms. It feels like I'm still in the military. Um, <laughs> yes. So VA for VA, I like to think of that as like any kind of assistant. So what is the assistant in that department? I mean, you can have an admin assistant who's in your, you know, operations, you can have an operations yeah. assistant. So I think getting clear on what a VA is will help you attract like a higher level person too. And then I kind of struggled for years how to, how to, uh, what to name myself because I really struggled. And so I kind of made a joke with a client. I'm like, well, I'm a unicorn because I have this PR background. I, I know marketing and I can help you in the digital space. But like I use this term unicorn not to mean somebody who does it all, just somebody who has a unique skill set. And what's really cool is you can find somebody, especially in your coaching business, who kind of knows your content already, mm-hmm. you can actually add to it. And so I had a lady come to me. She was uh, uh, creating a course on like art history for like elementary teachers. And so she was like, I need somebody who understands art history, like has a passion, gets early education and knows Kajabi. <laughs> and so that opens like a can of worms of understanding online <laughs> business. So I went to my my small little community and I found four women who had that background. That's my definition of a unicorn, someone who's who understands your content or wants to learn it as like passion and mission vision aligned with you, right? Mm-hmm. So unicorn does not mean you do it all. So I kind of have this thing. I call my people unicorn digital marketing assistants. Really, they're marketing assistants. And what's cool is they can help with a lot of the scheduling, the coordination, a lot of the tasks happening in the background in a launch And as they get to know your business, they can up-level into more of a specialist, like a creative specialist. Like you're talking about your graphic designer. To me, that's the creative specialist, the web designer. Even the ads manager, when they have a specialty role, uh, that can happen. But they can also become marketing managers, launch managers, content managers, Mm -hmm. um, the fractional, you know, the chief marketing officer, the CMO that you were talking about. So there's so many like little forks that get so confusing and then we have the ops department where you have your OBM, your online business manager. And that person still needs to understand marketing, right? They still need to understand what your business is doing. We have a DOO, director of operations. That's like at a higher level when you're making you know, multiple six figures in your business. So that person is a little more finance heavy and understanding how to read the numbers and direct strategy. So here's, here's the thing. A good VA who's good at what he or she does is not going to be $15 or $20 an hour. Like the mm-hmm. cream will rise. They will take on better, better roles, but they can also grow inside your business. You know, there we there's a whole pool of us who want to be behind the scenes as the intrapreneur supporting the business. Like Roy Disney to Walt Disney. Like he was he was crucial in growing Disney, but you know, he didn't need to be in the forefront. And so um, that person can absolutely grow within your team. Like they can start off as a DMA and turn into something else. 
So the hiring thing, it just gets confusing because what I see is someone hiring a VA for $20 an hour at the assistant level and expecting a manager. Mm-hmm. And so once you start getting above 40, you start getting someone who's more of the leader. And that's where people are really struggling. They're like, I hired this VA and she's not really taking the lead. And I'm like, well, she's at assistant level. Assistant level is going to be under $35 an hour, you know? And then once they start managing more, that pay rate and that pay range is going to be like congruent with that too. So hopefully that made sense because I just see a lot of people off in their own world, not really understanding like the scope. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was such a good breakdown. And I love that you talked about pricing as well, because I didn't even think to ask you about that actually, but I was like, but that's such an invaluable conversation because I think that really feeds into expectations as well. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, we might be doing all this work to understand what we should be hiring out for, but then we're hiring the wrong thing because we're not aware of the pricing discrepancies, but also like the the title, right? Like what, like the assistant level is not necessarily the manager level. And that was something that I learned that the hard way too. I mean, I didn't know any better, but I also think if I'm being honest, my VA at the time didn't know any better because when I look back, I, we were both kind of at the beginning of our thing and when I look back, I I think, God, she became so integral in everything that I did because she knew me so well. And what really should have happened was she, she moved into a different role and I hired someone else for the assistant stuff that she was still doing. And Mm -hmm. she did raise her prices eventually, but she probably should have raised her prices a lot sooner on me because you know what I mean? And I I didn't know that. And I I don't think she knew that either. So I think that's like a really, really valuable thing to talk about. Yeah. Um, and then you bring in the overseas VAs who are charging two, $4 an hour. And like, it gets really tricky there. And I feel like we need to talk about that because there are always exceptions. Like you can find the manager, the leader in those roles too. But a lot of times what you end up with is someone who's more of an implementer. And so I think if you can go into that knowing I like to use the like general soldier analogy. Like your general is going to take charge, manage it, like be your your uh, project manager, right? Key deadlines, manage other contractors, like make sure you get you know the the KPIs met and everything. Whereas your soldier is just going to take orders and do what they're told. And so mm-hmm. just be very clear on like which one do I have? And I kind of have an eth- ethical thing about hiring someone. I mean, there's a lot of shady shit happening where you hire someone and give them everything and pay them nothing. I really feel like Tasha Booth says it well, you pay for the role, not the location. But there's a lot of big gurus out there teaching to hire overseas. And it's tricky. It's a tricky thing. And I feel like we have to address it. There's a lot of successful online business owners who use only overseas VAs and um, you kind of just have to know what you're getting and maybe set that person up for success if you choose to go that way and maybe have the right manager versus the right implementer. I love that. Well, on that note, actually, are there common mistakes that you do see that people are making? Like, are, are there just things that you see a lot of people, whether they're new or not new, that you are like, oh God, stop doing that. <laughs> Oh my God. I think the number one is like, I just hired my VA on Monday and by Thursday she hasn't mastered my brand voice. Oh God. And I'm just like WTF. Like A, a good copywriter wouldn't have it mastered in four days. Like why is your, you know, overseas non-English speaking 
social media assistant going to? <laughs> like, you know, so I think there's that, like, that's like a bigger conversation of it takes time to delegate. It takes time to learn someone's business. But once you get that person in there really learning, it can really pay off. Like I love that quote from Benjamin Franklin, every minute spent organizing an hour is earned. So like take your time, go slow, start with like getting one solid workflow together before you add more and more. I've heard of a lot of OBMs quitting because they just get dumped on. And now responsible for everything instantly. And like, that's going to burn someone out. And there, and here's the thing, freelancers, like we have our own culture and it's not that we're flaky. Like I'm very ambitious and industrious, but I don't want to put up with SHIT, right? There's a reason I'm not working in Capital One. So you do have to make your work environment fun, rewarding. You need to be pleasant, not a micromanager to attract that certain type of talent. And I think some people... I see a lot of online business owners just kind of treating their VAs or underling. I mean, the, oh, this opens up so many other conversations. I feel like yeah. we need a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? I, this is actually one of the final questions I was going to ask you because I do feel like for me, the hardest thing, I mean, I, I, I believe, I mean, we should ask my OBM to double check and hold me accountable here, <laughs> but I believe I treat my team very well. However, I also feel like I can get really micromanagey on certain things. And like even my OBM yet, I mean, I'm glad we have an honest enough re- relationship where she yeah. could tell me this, but she told me this yesterday. She was just like, cause I was like, <laughs> I was saying something about why I was like, why is this thing taking so much time? I feel like every time it just like takes so long. And I kind of thought we'd be getting faster at it. And she was like, can I be honest with you? And I was like, always. And she was just like, you're very particular. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Okay. And, and so I just can see this in myself. You know what I mean? That, and I think a lot of it is probably linked to my anxiety, right? That I'm just like, I've been burned with something once. So I'm going to hold on to it for the rest of my fucking life and make sure like everyone who works for me knows about it. You know what I mean? Like it could totally be that. But I was just curious, like in your, you've worked with teams and you've helped people in your world get jobs, you know, working for entrepreneurs and things like that. Is there, do you have any tips for people that do tend to like really hold on to task and struggle, get yeah. have trouble delegating and just kind of being the fucking CEO? Like, is there anything you can say to someone like me who just like really struggles letting go? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat, Sophia, because I know how to do a lot and I Sometimes as I see it in the moment, I'm like, no, I wouldn't do it that way. So I'm just trying to slow down, decide what's a priority, what could we fix later, but also make it this kind of evolution of like how we get better. Like, let me give you an example. We sent out a recap email. This is so stupid, but our first recap email to my membership. And I felt like we just needed like a Cliff's Notes. And my membership manager wrote the email. It was like terrible. <laughs> like, I wouldn't do it this way. I wouldn't do it this way. And sometimes I need to get my brain in there doing the strategy. And then I was like, okay, I feel like if I can give them the high level strategy, they can just understand it more and execute. And so what I should have done is given me more lead time. I told you I'm a black kettle here to work <laughs> out the email and walk through it instead of me being like, where's that email? Why did it not go out? Like I needed to bake in more time. So it kind of comes down to me being the bottleneck, time management, time auditing and all of that. And I think I needed to go slower, but there's such personal awareness around. Are you a fast start? Have you ever taken the Colby, the Colby test? 
So, you know, Carly Clark Zimmer on this podcast did a live reading of for me. So it's somewhere buried. If anyone's interested in that, it's like one of our earlier, it's like first 30 episodes. Um, so I I could, I wish I could tell you the name, like all my results because I I don't remember the names or everything, but I have, I'm familiar with it. (laughs) Yeah. So there, if there's a mismatch, you know, we all need people to balance us. Like I think going in without awareness saying like, I am a fast start. I yes. like things done quick, but also a VA from a contractor side of you, you don't want to misclassify them as a employee. Like you can't treat them like an employee. You'll get in trouble with the IRS. So response times cannot be instantaneous. Yeah. You cannot have like, oh, I want you to be very responsive and only work for me five hours a day. So I feel like if you know when the VA is working on your stuff, that helps. Like, I just want to know when you're working on it and when I can contact you. And that's on the VA to take the lead. Like Tuesday, Emily, that's the day I'm working on your podcast. Like, I'll follow up with questions. Like, please be available. Like that, we kind of need that level of professionalism from our contractors. So, oh my gosh, I know. I feel like I'm going in circles with this, but it's it, it's really hard. But you and I have to realize that like, giving like letting go of the reins is actually going to pay off. People will do better. They'll perform better. They're capable of it when they're empowered and think about how you and I like to do things. Like we like to put our stamp on things. We like to be constantly maximizing and improving things. And if we can't let our people do that, we might as well just go hire that soldier we were talking about. Who's just going to do like the minimum. And we, we do want more. So it is thinking about what is the dream business I want in three years, like I don't want to be formatting my emails and active campaign. I know how to do it. I've expressed how to do it. Like mistakes happen and it's just, it's going to take some time to get there. And, and my team needs to know when things are actually a burning fire and when things are really like giving deadlines is key to like when it, when it's, when we have time to just finish it, right? Yeah. What is that outcome? What is that expected deadline? And is it realistic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. We could talk forever and I need to let you go. But this was so freaking jam-packed and useful. I'm so grateful for the time that you spent here. And also, I'm so annoyed. I for- You have something to give to people today and I can't remember what it is. I didn't write it down. Can you... Tell, tell me what it's, um, it's, oh, helping people hire in the next four weeks, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. Tell us what we're in a guide and it's at emilyreaganpr.com slash hire. And it's going to walk you through the time audit. It's going to give you the job description. It's going to help you hire your next VA. So grab that, work through it. Everyone tells me I need to offer a course in this. And I was like, zero interest in doing that. (laughs) What I like to do is help people hire and find good talent. And so once you've gotten clarity on that, you can go to hireaunicorn.com and I'll share your job with my membership, my community, which is a mix of marketing assistants, VAs, launch managers. It's just like a weird unicorn mix of people who um, want to be the entrepreneur. I... I love it. And I might be getting in touch with you because like I said, I feel like I need to make another hire next year. So hey, you might hear from me. (laughs) Yeah, we need to talk. Let's go talk on Boxer about it. (laughs) Yes, I love it. And like I said, this was such an amazing, such an amazing conversation. Where can we follow you and stay in your world? 
I am having the most fun over on Instagram at Emily Reagan PR. And you can also find my podcast or maybe have your VA go listen if you want her to step up in the marketing role. Unicorns Unite, we talk a lot about marketing over there and how to offer exceptional marketing services. Amazing. Emily, like I said, so amazing. So good. I'm so glad that we had this conversation. And like, (laughs) I feel like we also laughed a lot because my abs are kind of hurting. So (laughs) that just shows you how long it's been since I've done any ab workout. (laughs) Give yourself a pat on the back because you made it to the end, which means you gave yourself and your business some time today. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know your support is what makes it possible for us to keep making it. So it would make my day if you gave us a five-star rating and review. I also want to make sure this podcast actually answers your marketing questions, like for real, for real. So if you're a coach and you've got a marketing question that's keeping you stuck, just DM it to me over at Sophia Para on Instagram. Or if you're in the United States, you can text it to my personal number at 917-810-2418. That way I can share resources or create a future episode just for you. See you on the next one.